Have you ever found yourself in a conversation with someone and what they're saying is absolute rubbish? For example, my nephew tried to convince me that Little Yachty is a better rapper than Jay-Z. You know what they're saying is absolute foolishness, but they can't seem to hear it. The words coming out of their mouth just don't seem to reach their ears. But when you, for example, play a Little Yachty song next to a Jay-Z song, all of a sudden the person has to hear it. Or at least you hope they hear it. That is the type of conversation we're having today. Instead of it being Jay-Z and Little Yachty, we're talking about Jesus and the religious establishment of his day. As Christians, we make confessional types of statements about Jesus all the time. Some of them are accurate pictures of who Jesus is revealed to us in the Bible. Some of them are accurate pictures of who Jesus is revealed to us by the experience of our lives and community. And others, they're just not all that accurate. But for me, there is no better place to start to form a picture of who Jesus is than from Jesus' own confession about himself. We have to go through the hard work of unpacking the statements, though, and try to better understand them. But at the end of the day, they are simple, although very big declarations about who Jesus is that we can take to be true. So today we're going to hone in on a couple of these statements that Jesus makes about himself. I am the gate of the sheep, and I am the good shepherd. We will start with Jesus as the gate. On the surface, this seems to be a fairly simple saying. Jesus equals church. So Jesus is the gate of the church. But in order to understand the significance of Jesus being the gate of the sheep, we have to understand the setting or the context that this claim is being made in. And in order to better understand the context of this claim, we need to go back a couple of chapters in the story. So we need to go back to John chapter 8. You see, one of the main themes in the Gospel of John is Jesus versus the religious establishment. Sort of like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, each scene levels up to a new boss that must be overcome. This battle, or whatever you want to call it, culminates or ends with Jesus being raised from the dead after being executed by being nailed to a cross. The story begins though with the religious leaders sometimes referred to as Pharisees and Sadducees or teachers of the law questioning Jesus about who he is. In John chapter eight, the religious establishment asks, who exactly are you? And truthfully, it is a question that many people including us are still asking today, who is Jesus? The religious leaders begin to try to identify who Jesus is by first trying to identify who they are. We are followers of Moses, they say. Jesus responds, if you were following Moses, you would see that Moses points to me. Abraham is our father, they say. Jesus responds, no, the devil, <laughs> the father of lies is your father. God is our father. To that, Jesus responds, no, God is my father. And if God was your father, you would recognize me and not be trying to kill me. We were right to call you a demon-possessed Samaritan. The ultimate insult, right? Jesus responds, no, I'm not a demon-possessed person. I am the son giving glory to the father. Abraham and the prophets are all dead. They are relics of the past, Jesus responds. I am before Abraham was born. So we are the children of Abraham, followers of Moses. We have never been enslaved to anybody, becomes their response. Jesus begins to unmask the lies their identity is built on and offers them a true identity as God's children. Jesus offers them liberty in his words. 
And the religious leaders respond by saying, we have no need for liberty because the children of Abraham have never been enslaved. And this is a lie. It's a fallacy. It's a rejection. It's a rewriting of their history. Because any Jewish child at that time knew the story of the Exodus, the story where God liberates the Israelites from the slavery in Egypt. The truth is that the children of Abraham spent most of their time of existence as slaves to one empire or another in Jesus' day. Whether it was Egypt, the Philistines, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, the Greeks, or the Romans. The children of Israel were slaves to the Roman Empire even as they uttered those words. The children of Abraham were anything but liberated. Their claim was based on a fallacy. Jesus ultimately undermines their false sense of security by saying, I tell you the truth, I am before Abraham was born. Jesus is before the very thing these religious leaders were trying to find security in. Jesus is before Abraham. Jesus is before Moses. What is the false sense of security that Jesus is trying to liberate you from? Jesus is before fill in the blank. We must pass through Jesus in order to find liberation, true identity, and real security in God. Jesus is the gate of the sheep. In order to further understand Jesus' statement, we must tell the story of the blind man who saw Jesus. In John chapter 9, there is a story about a man who was born blind from birth. The expectation in Jesus' day and age was that if someone was differently able, it was a result of sin, either in their own lives or in the lives of their parents. So the disciples of Jesus ask, whose fault is it that the man was born blind? And Jesus responds to the disciples, neither his blindness can be explained or traced to any particular person's sin. He is blind so that the deeds of God may be put on display. Now I want to pause for a second. I want to take a quick side note. It is okay to have a problem with the fact that Jesus says this man was born blind so that God could display good deeds. Okay, back to the story. After Jesus said these things, he spat on the ground, mixed the saliva with dirt to form mud, and then he smeared it over the man's eyes. Jesus tells the man to go and wash the mud off his face, and the man does just that. And after washing, the blind man is no longer blind. The blind man can see everything clearly. But the religious establishment doesn't believe the man has been healed. They interrogate the formerly blind man. They interrogate his parents. They berate him. They call him names. They threaten him with expulsion from the community because they cannot see who Jesus is. The formerly blind man, after being berated by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' time, says that it's ironic that those with sight cannot see where Jesus is from, but he who is blind knows that Jesus comes from God because of the work that Jesus has done in the formerly blind man's life. The Pharisees' response to this formerly blind man's observation is to call him a sinner, is to label him irrelevant. The Pharisees responded, you were born under a cloud of sin. How can you of all people lecture us? The religious leaders banished this formerly blind man from their presence. In today's society, this is still the MO, modus operandi, the way that it is done far too often. If we do not like something that someone says, they are labeled a sinner or a heretic or some other derogatory term that becomes synonymous with your voice does not matter or count here. 
The religious leaders in the time of Jesus sought to be the gatekeepers of those who could be in and those who must remain out. Jesus' response to this claim is that he himself is the gate. He's not just the gatekeeper, but he's the actual gate itself. He is the one who allows all who desire to pass freely through into a place of sanctuary, safety, and security. The story concludes with one final confrontation, and Jesus says, I have entered into this world to announce the verdict that everything changes. Now those without sight may begin to see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees who overheard Jesus asked, Surely we are not blind, are we? And Jesus replies, If you were blind, you would be without sin, but because you claim to see, your sin is ever present. This is the context from which Jesus gives the statement, I am the gatekeeper of the sheep. Jesus has just witnessed the ostracizing of and dismissal and the rejection and the mistreatment and the putting out of a man who was formerly blind by the religious leaders. Jesus just witnessed a man who recognized who Jesus was and entered into the true identity found in Jesus. Jesus just witnessed the blindness of those who thought themselves gifted with great insight. Jesus just witnessed the absolute enslavement of the religious leaders to their own blindness. John 10, 1 through 10 says this. I tell you the truth. The man who crawls through the fence of the sheep pen rather than walking through the gate is a thief or a vandal. The shepherd walks openly through the entrance. The guard who is posted to protect the sheep opens the gate for the shepherd and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When all the sheep have been gathered, he walks on ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. The sheep would not be willing to follow a stranger. They run because they do not know the voice of a stranger. Jesus explained a profound truth through this metaphor, but they did not understand his teaching. So he explained it further. I tell you the truth. I am the gate of the sheep. All who approached the sheep before me came as thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not listen to their voice. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be liberated, will go in and go out, and will find pastures. The thief approaches with malicious intent, looking to steal, slaughter, and destroy. I came to give life with joy and abundance. Jesus takes his conflict or battle with the religious leaders to the next level. Jesus says that these religious leaders have snuck into the sheep pen. Jesus says that these religious leaders are thieves and robbers and vandals. The religious leaders have presumed or thought of themselves as gatekeepers or guardians of the sheep. And Jesus tells them that they are the people who the sheep must be guarded from. There is an interesting fact about sheep that I've been told. Sheep have a very limited field of vision. They depend on recognition of sound to navigate. Thus, when this passage says that the sheep will not follow a stranger, he is making two points. First, the religious leaders are not Jesus' sheep and thus are not God's sheep because they do not follow Jesus' voice. Second, 
that God's sheep will not follow the religious leaders because they are not true leaders. They are strangers to God's sheep. And just because the religious leaders engaged in this dialogue with Jesus were too dense to understand, Jesus breaks it down even further for them. Jesus says that he is the gate. He is the one that must be passed through. And because the religious leaders refused to pass through Jesus or even acknowledge Jesus, they were forced to sneak into the sheep pen, making them thieves and robbers that the sheep refused to listen to. Jesus again talks about the liberation or freedom that is found for those who pass through him, pass through him as the gate. Jesus says that the religious leader's intent for the sheep is to kill or to steal, kill and destroy. This passage has often been taught from the perspective of the thief being the devil. But in the context here and how Jesus is using it, the thief is undoubtedly the religious leaders example in the story of the formerly blind man. In the passage, it is the religious leaders who come to steal, kill and destroy God's sheep, not the devil. But to be sure, Jesus does tell the religious leaders that their father is the devil in John 8, 44. So in this way, Jesus is saying that these religious leaders are acting like the devil. Jesus' final comparison between himself and the religious leaders is that Jesus came to give life and joy in abund with abundance. Well, the religious leaders came to steal, kill, and destroy. This is a scary thought for me. Religious leaders, if you are not careful, you will find yourselves trying to steal, kill, and destroy God's sheep or God's people. How many times have we read in the newspaper or seen on the television a pastor who has stolen money, had an affair, done something destructive that has hurt God's people? Or when we look through the history of the church and we see many times when people were hurt, not healed, oppressed, not liberated. Or how many times have we been hurt by the leaders within the church? I remember when I was a young child, I learned a song in the church camp that has stuck with me over the years called, I Just Want to Be a Sheep. Now, I'm not going to try to sing the song for you, but I did find this video. Let's watch it. Don't want to be a Pharisee. Don't want to be a Pharisee. Because they're not fair, you see. Don't want to be a Pharisee. I just want to be a sheep. I just want to be a sheep, ba, ba, ba. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, I just want to be a sheep, ba, ba, ba. don't want to be a Sadducee, don't want to be a Sadducee, cause they're so sad you see, don't want to be a Sadducee. That song taught me everything I needed to know about the first century Palestinian socio-political context of Jesus. Not really, but it did teach me that leaders in the church need to remember to always be sheep first. Leaders in the church must always remember that they too are first followers of Jesus who have been tasked with caring for God's people. Leaders in the church who forget this ultimately steal, kill, and destroy God's people. This is not to say that leaders in the church are going to be perfect. Like all the other sheep, like all of God's children, they too are in need of liberation that comes from Jesus. And before we begin to think that, man, I am glad I am not a leader in the church, 
I have news for you. We are all leaders in the church. To follow Jesus is to be tasked with inviting and cultivating space for others to follow Jesus as well. In this way, it makes us all leaders in the church. All of us have the propensity and potential to become thieves and robbers who steal, kill, and destroy. But there is good news in all of this. First, we have the warning and an example of what it looks like for leaders to go astray. And second, in Jesus, we have our identity, liberation, and security. There is nothing and no one that can change that. The only thing we need to do is listen and recognize the voice of Jesus calling to us. Sometimes that voice grows dim and we are distracted and we are blinded to the things in our lives that offer us a false sense of security. But may we, like the blind man, listen to the voice of Jesus following his words of liberation. May we, like the blind man, receive sight and freedom from our blindness.